In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Right. So this week, uh, just first, as perhaps our listeners have already sorted out, I'm coming off of two whole days of silence, um, not for any kind of observant or mindfulness practice, uh, but <laughs> that would be interesting in and of itself. Um, but because weirdly, I lost my voice over the weekend. Um, so it is now sort of back. Uh, so we are here. Um, but so to kick things off as usual, Amy, I guess my question to you, and I don't think I've asked this before, um, okay. have you ever been on a tour of, um, like a naval ship before? <laughs> you definitely haven't asked me this, um, because it is quite specific and the answer is no, mm. I don't. I don't think so. I'm not quite sure, like, an occasion where, or a museum that would have that. Like, I've, oh, like, I've never been to, in New York, we have, like, the Intrepid or whatever. No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, I have played the game Battleship. That's about (laughs) the closest I've gotten to any type of, um... Yeah, I don't, I've never, no, I've not. Because <laughs> I went on one when I was in San Diego many years ago, and so now I can't remember. I'm sure there's, it's like, as usual, I'm sure it's just like one ship that they allow, allow you to tour into, so I don't recall the name yeah. of it. But um, what I do mostly recall about it is that, like, on the one hand, it's really interesting because they're so big, they are like kind of like a floating city. Yeah. Um, because it's got like, and I do love this stuff about any kind of tour of this nature. It's like they showed us where like the barber shop was and like mm-hmm. the game rooms and the different dining halls for the different levels of like, you know, um, ranks of officers and things. Mm-hmm. Um And so while all of that is very cool, one of the things that is a real overarching feeling for certain types of people, I being one of them, is how small everything is. Like, Uh the hallways are skinny. Yeah. Um, As you get further and further down the decks, like closer to the waterline, it Uh starts to feel very claustrophobic um Ugh. not seeing sunlight like even the in the upper decks because it's for you know what's the word like military purposes it's not like there are beautiful yeah. windows out that you can enjoy yeah like the horizon it's like quite dark right. um all the illumination comes from overhead like fluorescent bulb things um yeah yeah it's a very weird vibe in there not as bad as what i imagine a submarine to be like but (laughs) kind of get it kind of like that yeah i'd be curious like i mean i have something i've never i just like never have thought of like the like going to the intrepid or like that just never has interested me i guess i would be a little interested I don't even think I've ever been on a boat larger than like like a 
a pontoon boat. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I've really Whoa. not been on oh, it's any, the, like, large boats. It's the boats. USS, the ship I'm talking about is the USS Midway that you can tour. Okay. And so the ones like that, like the Intrepid, like that, those are, like, constantly docked in the cities as, like, sort of tourist things, question mark, or they are active uh, military boats? Most of them have been decommissioned. Got it. Um, and so they, but so they are real things. Like, they used to be yeah. um, okay. used as whatever they are. Oh, so the USS Midway is an aircraft carrier. Okay. Um Okay. Uh, and now that we know the difference between aircraft carrier, destroyer, and battleship, thanks to this movie. Um, oh, I'm not sure I knew that. <laughs> what I knew what I knew from this movie was bang, bang, crash, crash, bang. I didn't know true. much more than that. There is um, a lot of that. But, oh God. But, yeah, I don't think, the, okay, the biggest boat I ever toured was the Mayflower. <laughs> oh, okay, um, yeah. Yeah. And that is gross. That one is it's too no small bueno. feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean very small and it stinks. That it is I, smelly. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Um I mean I guess the thing is is like no matter how big the boat to me it's always going to feel small. Like not the boat itself, sure. like the spaces inside the boat are going right. to feel small. Like have you ever been on yeah. Like, have you ever been, this is a stupid question, but have you ever been on a yacht? No. Why, do you think I have? <laughs> like, what? I know, that's why I said it's a stupid question. I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't know. I Like, I don't know your life. Um, no, I know, but, I, like, you know it well enough. You think if I had been on a yacht, that would have been on social media all over the place. I guess so. No, I know. But so, like, <clears throat> picture, like, the boat in, like, the movie Overboard. Like, they have a yacht. Oh, sure. And yes. that seems pretty luxurious. But even that, like, yeah, the ceilings, when you're inside a boat, the ceilings are kind of low. It's just not the same open feeling that a non-boat has. No. And also, don't get me started on bathrooms on boats. Not good. Oh, God. The less said, the better. Not good. Um, well, with that <laughs> as our starting point, welcome everyone to see you next week in space. I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone if they've not already worked it out what we're talking about this week? Well, we are talking about the 2012 movie that I'd never heard of called Battleship. Not to be I mean, confused with the game of which I started watching this and wanted to play Battleship immediately. <laughs> I was uh, having nostalgia about that game. Yeah, I do like that game. Um, and I think that was the reason that this movie got made is because somebody somewhere along the line was like, I liked that game. And, yeah, I think so too. Um, so it's like come up with something to do about that. Um <laughs> Now, the IMDb description is as follows. A fleet of ships is forced to do battle with an armada of unknown origins in order to discover and thwart their destructive goals. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, that is also the objective of the game. Like That is true. Now, in the game... <laughs> I I can't go back and look at the rules. We don't need to talk about this. But I was trying to remember. I remember you would, everybody had their little battleshipy thing. Oh, you guessed. That's what it was. I was right. trying to remember how you, like, if there was, like, dice you rolled. But no, no you just, you just guessed. guessed. Like, I'm going to guess, yeah. like, B12. Yes. It's like, okay. It was like bingo, sort of. Yes, okay. it was. <laughs> it was like bingo okay. in some ways. Um... Now, I just looked up, part of the reason why I think this movie exists is, so it comes out in 2012, and Transformers mm. came out in 2007, and was pretty okay. popular, um, and hold yeah. on, I just want to look up something, because Hasbro is the 
toy company that makes Battleship. And I'm trying to figure out if they also get made by... Did they, like, sponsor this movie? Like, was there... Because I could have sworn that the actual, like, title of the movie, like, the font is the same Battleship font. Yeah, I think so. Hold on a second. So I wonder if they got, like, a kickback. Okay. <laughs> Mecha Toys. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay, so this is tr- confirming what I thought. So Transformers comes out in 2007. Transformers okay. is also a Hasbro product. Okay. And oh. so, yeah, so. Oh, so they were trying to, oh, okay, okay, I see. So they were like, doing. we had success with our one toy line. Let's see mm. about if this very popular game could be turned into something as well. So that okay. I mean, so in a sense, and I get it. I, um, yeah. Go on. I no, I get it. And based on like the the based on the cast that they had, like it was very clear they were like, oh, we are killing it. You know, <laughs> like we. The, yeah, I think they definitely thought like we're gonna have a battleship two, three, four, five, uh, or you know. like that this was going to really perform quite well, even if it was just the yeah. one thing that was gonna happen for sure. Because how many? There's like multiple Transformer movies. Yes, aren't there? yes, and I was disturbed yeah. to learn when I just Googled it that um, there's one coming out this year. So oh, for fuck's sake! Um, how many? Do, when like when can we escape? <laughs> From these types of movies, like honestly. I mean, I think I think I would say that my feeling is like Transformers is like the dumb version of Fast and Furious. Like if yeah. if Fast and Furious is somehow like you have a hard time keeping up with what's going on there, Transformers is probably Yikes. for you. First of all, what I would say. <laughs> Okay, true, true. I I can get down with that, but also if you're having trouble figuring out what's going on in the Fast and Furious universe, I am genuinely scared for you because I've not seen any of them except for the first one. (laughs) And I remember really liking that one back in 300 years ago, but I don't think it's difficult to comprehend. They drive cars fast. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even shitting on that franchise. I don't I don't know that I've watched the first four or five movies, but I've watched the subsequent oh, really? ones and I quite really? like them. Um so the first one I feel like is quite different than the oh, rest. Because yes, like from, from everything that I've heard from everything I just I literally all I haven't watched any of them except the first. I've just heard podcasts about all of them. But like It evolves into some crazy. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, So, and I guess the other thing I'll say, my overarching statement about this movie, and it ties into this whole thing. Um, So this was actually filmed using the ship that they talk about in this movie, the USS Missouri and other Navy ships. Um, They actually use them to film. I, what I probably mostly didn't like about this movie was that it was a very obvious early 2010s military porn fest that was (laughs) very, very celebratory of, Mm. of the U.S. Naval Forces Um, and subsequently all other branches of the military in a way that I was like, I forgot these movies got made. And it was like, because basically the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, Sarah, excuse, excuse me, support our troops. I know they're all heroes. (laughs) Um, but so that's what what, you ever done for your country. Come on. Um, I'm out here on these streets every day. Bro, I'm out here on these streets every day in another country working against the stereotypes that movies like this perpetuate. 
Come Listen, on. you moved to another country. You moved to another country. You you don't even put America first. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Come on. Um, Come on. So I had forgotten, though. It was an interest. I would say I didn't like it, but I found it interesting, if that makes sense. Yeah. To see mm-hmm. this kind of... Because I was like, I forgot they made this shit. Because mm-hmm. it was right in the midst of kind of super gung-ho, we're going to amp up, like, I think this was right as maybe Obama was doing, like, the troop surges and shit. Like, it was like, we're going in full bore on this, and we're going to, and by then it would have been, the war would have been going on for about nine or ten years. And so the first generation Mm -hmm. of, like, people who signed up to go to that war had already started to age out, which is actually like the people my age had had started to age out of active duty. And they were the ones who like, when they have that scene where they're all with their like amputated limbs and shit, I was like, (laughs) yeah. So, so that's, I think they were unlike transformers. That just reminded me of a funny part, actually, that you just said amputated limbs. That just reminded me of a funny part. Okay. Um, But, like, so unlike Transformers, which isn't connected to that, and you would struggle to try and make it be. um, Yeah. This, like, they were like, oh, we've primed, this is going to be great. You know, like, we can, it'll be like Transformers Plus, and so then everyone will love it. Um, But needless to say, as you see here in the outline... This is a direct quote from Wikipedia. The film received mixed to negative reviews and was a box office bomb. Which, and this is wild to hear this, grossing $303 million worldwide against a production budget of 209 to $220 million, losing both Universal and Hasbro about $150 million. So I don't know how the math on that works. I don't either, but and I'm not even going to try to pretend because I don't do math anyway, but what I will say in those numbers is, or what I hear in those numbers, big companies have way too much money on their hands. Clearly, and, clearly. And, the, and if you can, maybe this is controversial or maybe this is coming from someone who's poor and doesn't know how money works, but... If you're able to lose $150 million on one project and still be uh, overall monetarily successful, you have too much money. I know. Right? Like, what the hell? No, I had to read that sentence a number of times. I was like, I don't understand how if the production was $220 million and then they made $303 how that's a loss of 150 maybe, like maybe cuz gross if it was grossing 3 and 303 but then maybe the net was less than i don't fucking know but like i don't know still also even just spending 220 million dollars on a movie is absolutely batshit crazy and all you were doing was just blowing shit up well like i mean i will say cuz some like 2012 was not that long ago, but it was kind of long ago in special effects time. Mm -hmm. And none of this looked crappy. Not really. No, it didn't look look crappy. Like, even the aliens, I I could take or leave them, but they didn't look poorly rendered or, you know, like. No, they didn't. No, and um, I was, and listen, again, I've told you multiple times now about my philosophobia, and you keep making us watch crazy sea movies. Oh, and, sorry, um, yeah. No, it's fine, but there this were one some seems times less like, bad than some of the others. There seen. were a couple of times where, like, we were, I know, like, when it shows the, the objects, the waves and stuff. Yeah, when the objects were deep in the water, and they showed that thing, and they lighted up, I didn't yeah, like, I like that. Yeah, I not like that. But on top of the you. waves, I didn't mind as much okay. for me personally um yeah i don't love any of it but you know rihanna was there so it like made up for it I yeah guess. um rihanna was playing uh jesse the body ventura in this because she had the big gun this time um That's right I but like that so i mean i think we can infer from this and it's like placement 
that Transformers had done really well. And they were like, this thing is going to clean up, so we're going to spend all this money. Now, it did, what I gathered from Wikipedia, part of the reason so much money was spent on this was like pre-production had started going really wrong really quickly for some reason. And I'm not entirely sure what that entailed. Um, But at one point, Universal Mm -hmm. did consider canceling the movie altogether, which at the time they decided to do that was going to cost $30 million just to stop. Like it would have, they would have, they would have, they already spent that much. And they were like, you know, do we pull the plug now or do we forge ahead? Um, And I'm sure there's many a person, if you ask them, who'd be like, 30 million loss is better than 150 million loss. Like, I mean, it is um, true. Um, but part of, I think, the reason perhaps why pre-production went poorly is they originally were going to shoot um, off the coast of Australia, but Australia didn't give any tax breaks. Um, mm. And and this, I, we talked about this before when, I think when we talked about time tracks, that like, there was this period in the 90s where quite a lot of stuff was being shot in Australia for American audiences. Um, mm-hmm. And I bet that was because the exchange rate was different and possibly the various governments in charge here would have um, given better deals. We don't see that happening as much anymore, people shooting here, unless they have to. Mm-hmm. Um and so I just assume that it's caught. It, this is when it starts costing too much money to shoot here. Um, okay. So instead, they go back to Hawaii to do all the shooting there. Um, I'm which surprised I, Hawaii is not expensive. I would have expected that as well, but I guess once you're, if you, you know, it's a U.S. production, it's going to be all in U.S. dollars. Maybe that's part yeah, of it. Yeah, I but, guess. And I also do think yeah. it it would have been a strange movie. And I would have cared about things even less if it had been happening in Australia with an American crew. Like, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, why do I care? Yeah. Um, and then the final last bit I'll say is that um, in addition to the USS Missouri, the USS Benful, the USS John Paul Jones, and the USS Samson um, – were all used in this movie, and they are actually, or at the time, they were all active duty destroyers. Um, So, and I think this was, I was reminded that I think there was another movie that we've done that had, oh no, it was Stargate. Stargate had some sort of connection to the Air Force or something, or like Air Force personnel were consultants on that. And in this case, I I didn't see as much discussion of that for this movie, but I have to assume that the U.S. Navy was a big, you know, supporter of this and, like, you know, let them use their ships and all that stuff. So that clearly mm-hmm. was a part of this. And there was one point in the movie when we get to it where I was like, is this just a massive ad for the Navy? Like, do they just need more people <laughs> to join the Navy? Um, because it, it was pretty was, wild. Super, like, it's an ad, but also, yeah. It's not the best ad. I'll tell you right now. (laughs) No, well, like one of the other things I thought about asking you as our opening question is like, have you ever been interested in doing military service? And then I was like, I think I know the answer to that. I think I know the answer to that. That's such a great question. I'm curious if you think I would be any good at that because hell to the fucking no, I have not ever thought of it. (laughs) I mean, I have thought of it in the sense of like, oh, I'd be terrible at that. I think, yeah, I think that's what many of us think is, like, there's this moment. Have you moment. ever seen the movie Private Benjamin? <laughs> like, I, I don't, and the beginning part of it only, like, not the part where she, like, gets good. Like, th- that would be me. Not, I don't quite have the same, like, a little bit, she's a little bit more prissy than me, I think. Right. But in terms of like the rest of it, yeah, no thanks. Oh, I mean, I I know I can't be in the military. I don't. I've never had the proper upper body strength for it. So that's like only scratching the surface of the things I don't have. <laughs> the military, but but yes, that is part of it. Um, now turning to the cast here, 
none of whom, mm-hmm. except for one, ever served in the military. Um, we start out with Commander Stone Hopper, played by a 36-year-old Alexander Skarsgård. Um, no, actually, he has military service. I forgot about this um, because he's Swedish. Oh, really? And Swedes have a compulsory mm-hmm. military service term. Um, which he did at 19. A lot of countries have this where, like, especially men, but sometimes it's everybody. You need to serve for, like, a year or two in, like, your late teens. Mm. And it's pretty normalized uh, that you do it. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is the son of Swedish actor Stellan Skarsgård. So, unsurprisingly... He acted a bit as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And then throughout his like late teens and early 20s, he seemed to go back and forth between trying to determine whether he wanted to kind of pursue a university education or acting. He settled mm-hmm. at the end into acting. Um, and at, basically, as soon as he decided to do that, things started opening up for him. Um, he was Mikus in Zoolander, one of my favorite films. <laughs> um, he played uh, Lady Gaga's boyfriend in the paparazzi video. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, if you watch it again, you'll recognize him. Um, and then okay. his big break came... He was one of the main characters in True Blood. Um, oh yeah, he was married to is or was married to Anna Paquin. Is that right? Oh, that I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Because she was in see. True Blood, I thought they got yes. married because of that. It does not say that on IMDb. Oh, I was wrong. It was Stephen Moyer that she's married to. Oh, okay. I thought that. I thought they met on True Blood. Maybe it was he's. I, th- I guess maybe I thought Alexander Skarsgård was maybe not the main guy on that show. No, he was okay. like a bad guy, but um, oh, okay, he was like a regular, fe- like not a regular featured, like he was like a regular cast member, but he was like the bad okay, guy. Okay, okay, he wasn't it. the main guy. Okay, I was thinking he yeah. was the main guy. Okay, good, got it. Um, and so you know he's got quite a variety of things coming up. We don't need to worry about him. I did find it funny, however. Um, in his IMDb picture, he's not wearing pants. It's just like a what? tuxedo jacket and top and no pants. That is bizarre. I mean, Swedes can be weird sometimes. So <laughs> that's all I can say there. Um, next, we have a character named Sam, who I didn't know her name throughout the entirety of the movie. I just kept calling her Brooklyn Decker. Like, in my notes, I just was like, Brooklyn Decker is doing this. Um, So this is a 25-year-old Brooklyn Decker. Um, She had a bit of a hot moment, and I feel like she's gone now from the world, but maybe not really. Um, Yeah. She was spotted at the mall in North Carolina for modeling. Um... And then modeled and from there went on to acting. Um, Mm -hmm. She, I actually just watched this movie yesterday because it's, I've now discovered that there's a correlation between my level of having a cold and my need to watch Adam Sandler movies. (laughs) Um, Wow. Okay. Interesting. It's a very weird thing, but I'm like, I only seem to be in the mood for them when I've, when I'm not feeling well. Um, I mean, I get that because it's like you you just need like a low brow, <laughs> like you can't, like the uh, easiest of like just stupid kind of. I need the equivalent of like I can't chew right now, but I do want to have something going into my mouth, so I guess I'll have a milkshake kind of thing. Like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. That's kind of what I would describe. And some of his his more recent stuff is like 
that without as much gross out humor and can sometimes even be a bit heartwarming. So I watch sure. Just Go With It, which is one of her things where she's like featured in that as like the hot okay. girl. Um, yeah. I hadn't realized that she's also, I guess, got like a kind of regular get, uh, role in Grace and Frankie. Um, yeah, she, she's like one of the daughters of one of them. I forget. Yeah, I hadn't realized that. Her, it's her and... Yeah, her and uh, June. Okay. Um, and then she's also married to Andy Roddick, has been for a while now. Um, um, famous tennis player from a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. Then we have Petty Officer Cora Weps Rakes, played by a 24-year-old Rihanna, which was admittedly for me the main reason I chose this movie. Um, I figured. I was like... I've been meaning to know what Rihanna's acting career is like. <laughs> Why not get into it? Um, I'm so curious. And so, as we know, uh, Rihanna is from Barbados. Uh, she's signed with uh, Jay-Z's Def Jam Records at the age of 16. Um, wow. And basically immediately started making hits. Um, so, when this movie was out she was at what I might describe as like her main kind of hit making period it was when mm-hmm. um fuck what was uh, that who, not uh the girl uh something about a girl <laughs> but not the Beyonce song she has some song about girls um yeah, this is the one that was like her big, like edgy album that I think had that had like work on it and oh. um, like uh, the one that she does with Drake. Fuck, now I'm like forgetting all the ones. Um, what was that album? This is gonna drive me nuts. Loud, Loud was in 2010. Um, Good Girl Gone Bad. Yeah, I think that's no. That was two thousand. That was two. That was two thousand eight ish. Yeah. Oh. Um. I don't know. Oh, rated R and loud. Yeah. Unapologetic. Talk that talk. I guess might be the one I'm thinking of. Um, because that has "We Found Love in a Hopeless Place" song. Okay. Um. But anyway, so clearly. She's like at super peak her at this moment when she's in this yeah. movie. Um and then has gone on to many a thing. Um in terms of acting the after this movie she she plays herself briefly in This is the End in 2013. Um I guess she's mm. in that Annie remake that they did. Um oh and then, uh, and this I have seen, she's also one of the women in Ocean's 8 with Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett. Okay. She's like the hacker, I think, in that hmm. one. Um, and oh, okay. in an upcoming Smurfs movie, she will be voicing Smurfette. I really kind of didn't realize she had, like, a little acting career as well. Yeah, she also did some movie with, um... Donald Glover. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, that is like, it's called something like Guava Island or something. Um, hmm. But yeah, so she's around. What I will say I thought was cool about this is she does a very good American accent in this. Like, um, you know, I kind of, I that is making me realize I don't know if I've ever heard Rihanna talk. Like it not in a. I didn't realize she had an like a Barbados accent. Yeah, what she is a Barbados accent even. Well, like a Caribbean sort, you know. Yeah. Like, I guess I didn't realize she had that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Um. I mean, she's been living in the U.S. a long time. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, you know. who doesn't do a good uh, American accent? Who. <laughs> No offense, no offense, Mr. Liam Neeson. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, he's yeah. supposed to be American in this. I mean, he, probably. 
he I don't think he's ever fully American in anything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. Like that, he always yeah. has some type like a, little, a bit of his accent comes yeah, through. <laughs> that's true. Um next we have the star, I guess, of the movie, Lieutenant Alex Hopper, played by a 31-year-old Taylor Kish or Kitch. Um, he's Canadian. He also started out as a model, which I found interesting because the whole movie, whenever he was like the the main focus of the shot, I kept being like, is he good looking? What's happening? Like, um, question mark. You and, sure? and it was weird because I was like, of course he is, Sarah. Of course he is. But like, at the same time, I was like, but there's something weird happening. Like, and I don't know if it was one of those mm-hmm. things that once I noticed it, then it got where, you know, like when you say the word fork a million times and all of a sudden you're like, what even does fork mean? You know, like I, I was like, <laughs> what even is attractive? Who knows? Yeah, I was, then I was having that problem, but, um, yeah, there was something weird going on there. Um, and and maybe what it was is like so he his his main claim maybe to fame. Maybe you don't find men in. Oh, I was gonna say maybe you don't find men in uniform attractive. I mean, I that's think that's everybody. kind of true. Um, mm-hmm. But even so, like we when when even when he was just some guy in this at the movie start, I was like, I'm not sure I'm liking this. Um, but <laughs> some guy. Like, I think as well, like, he was reminding me of somebody else, but I couldn't figure out who, so I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, I could see that. But his main claim to fame, he was one of the main characters in Friday Night Lights, I inferred. Um, mm. I never watched that show, so I can't speak to it. Um, I guess he was also in John Tucker Must Die, but I don't remember him being in that. Um... And then more recently, he's had kind of um, a featured role in True Detective. He also has some upcoming stuff. So, you know, I guess my main thing I would say about him is I'm not sure that he was ready to be the main protagonist of a movie when he got this role. Like, I was, I, I didn't feel like he was... I was unconvinced, I guess. I, like, he wasn't gotcha. selling it. Um, and and even though the that. movie wasn't great, you know, like, some, I think part of why it wasn't great is, like, they had the wrong person in the central role, mm. like, around whom mm-hmm. everything else was supposed to hang. Um, then we have Captain Yugi Nagata, played by a 39-year-old, Tadanobu Asano. Um, He is Japanese. um, And he's interesting. Like, he also does modeling um, and started out as a teen actor in Japan. But um, apparently he, like, is kind of known for quite a lot more other than acting. And he himself prefers to kind of refer to himself as just simply, like, an artist rather than an actor exclusively. Um, He seems to be a pretty big deal in his home country of Japan, in part because he's also married to former J-pop icon Chara. Um, Oh. Yeah. Uh, What Americans would probably recognize him from is that he plays the character Hogan in the Thor movies. Um, Uh And I think that's because, if I remember correctly, like, all of the, um, oh, shit, now I'm going to forget what the name of the people from Thor's world are called. They've got a name. Um, Ragnaroks. No, it's, it's, oh, God, this is (laughs) going to bother me now. Um... Not the I just start naming characters. It's not going to help. The... Asen, the Asen, are they the Asen? This is wait. Really... You're talking about like Thor, Thor, or like yeah. Thor, the oh. They've got um, a name that are the Acer or the Asen. 
man. I can't help. The Acer. I was right. Ah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we don't need to get into the mythology or the old Norse mythology because yikes. Um, but the Acer are gods, but they're, and so because they're gods, like they're their own race and they're like understood to be like, um, much more beautiful and visually perfect than human beings. And so that's why someone who's been modeling, I imagine, gets asked to play Thor's family member. Um, and then uh, Asano has also been in a movie, this is a Japanese movie, just called Sad Vacation, um, which I would be curious to know what that entails. Um, yeah. Because... Sometimes I get it. You go on vacation and you're like, this is supposed to be fun, but it's actually turned out to be terrible. Um, and then, yeah, he's also got some upcoming stuff. And then f the final person is Lieutenant Colonel Mick Canales, played um, by an actual colonel, Colonel Gregory D. Gadsden. Um, now, Gadsden is not in the Navy. He's actually an Army colonel. Um, and this is one of the three credits he has on IMDb. Um, hmm. but there he was in this movie doing this thing and doing a pretty good job, I would say, uh, considering. Um, now, as you'll see here, I also have some honorable mentions of people in this movie who appear, um, sometimes briefly, sometimes more meaningfully. Yeah. We have Peter McNichol. Liam Neeson, Jesse Plemons, Adam Godley, and Rami Malek all show up yeah. in this movie at brief moments no, real quick, in time. Yes, and I like all of them. And I did, when Rami Malek showed up, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so she's making me watch this garbage trash because of the cast. <laughs> I was like, I get it. Okay, fine. Um, I had hoped for Adam more. Godley, but Adam Godley, I don't yes. know. <laughs> Um, Adam Godley, do you remember when we saw Anything Goes with Sutton Foster years and years ago, by uh, any chance? I mean, yes. I remember we did that, and I can sort of picture anyway, Sutton he, Foster, but I can't remember that he was also in it, if that's what you're about to say. Yeah, he played Evelyn Oakley. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That he was very good sense. in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, so we have, I mean, again, it's one of these things that I feel we've seen before where, like, the special effects are pretty good. The cast mm -hmm. is seems like it should be fine. <laughs> and still, yeah. and still, this movie is just like, what are you doing? Well, here's the Why deal. Why is this failing so badly? <laughs> Well, what it what it sort of like highlights to me is like, um, hey, producers and people out there who don't listen to this, um, writing is important. <laughs> like yes, a story is important. Um, well, and act, the thing actors are great, and blowing things up is great, but it does not make the entire thing. And the thing is, is like. It's not even that I think the premise is stupid. I'm like, if I get it, you have to find a way to make the battleship board game into a story. I do yeah. understand. I do understand the challenges that that entails. Um, sure. And I and so I think the premise was a cool premise, which is. Uh, rather than making it be that, like, you know, the Chinese or the Russians have a secret new weapon or whatever the fuck it could have been. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we're going to take uh, this kind of culture of, um, this mostly comes out of Japan, the notion of, like, mechs and things. And actually, that's a kind of transformery thing, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be like, okay, so aliens come down and they've got to do something. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that premise. 
But, but still the execution, yeah. Something went wrong with this. Um, I would have preferred it to be like a shark or like, or a, um, I mean, that movie kind of already exists and I think we talked about it, that like mega yeah. shark versus mecha shark thing. But yes, like that's true. some type of, some type of weird sea creature would have been. Well, but that's the thing is me. it needs to be too, like it needs to be a battleship like against another ship of some kind to have it be like the game right and so I'm like so you came up with something that's fine it's cool don't (laughs) worry about it but like you still needed to do like I guess I would say do more with that and less with this dipshit guy you've chosen to be the central line to this story because the central line to the story kind of sucks. Like, um, what is what is his central line? The whole like romance thing with him I and the girl. I guess so. I guess so. But that's what they always do. They always like. I think what I would say this movie falls into. I don't know exactly how it's categorized. Obviously, sci-fi because of the alien aspect of it. But I would say it's heavier on like the action front than even sci-fi to me. Yeah, and. I feel like what action movies, I would say my list of genres I hate the most, sci-fi and action are like at the top. And um, what action movies seem to do, because I think they're geared generally in the mindset towards men, they like to also add dumb, dipshitty romance to be like, well, we'll get the girls with this. (laughs) I guess, but I don't know. I guess so. Um... I mean, because I feel like yeah. even in Top Gun, I noticed it. Like, I, and I, I don't remember the original one, but I saw the newer one, and they have like a pretty dipshitty romance thing going on. And I feel <laughs> like it is to be like, uh, let's get the girls with this sort of. <laughs> I mean, I would actually say slightly differently, which is, mm. I think the assumption is is that there's barely going to be any women in the theater or or watching this at home or like whenever this is like almost exclusively aimed at straight men Mm -hmm. and straight men's understanding of romantic relationships even when they are in them is really stunted (laughs) (laughs) that's probably more accurate i guess you're right like it is just like you know you're probably it's straight men writing uh, romance about other with and for other straight men so it's like right total horse shit. <laughs> right yeah um, that's, that probably is more accurate. so so sorry straight guys um <laughs> and it's and it's bad and this this is why toxic masculinity and patriarchy more broadly speaking are bad because then men get given this messaging that is mm-hmm. like treating them like children and they're like, that's mm-hmm. what romance is. And so then they bring that into the real world. And then mm-hmm. um, those of us who are doomed to seek out ro- romantic relationships with straight men are like, what is happening? Why am I interacting <laughs> with, like, I feel like I'm a grown person and you seem like you're a child. Like, what's the matter? Like, and that's what's yeah. the matter. Um, yeah. But we will get to it. <laughs> this movie, P.S. By the way, is the reason for the patriarchy and all I mean, straight men and their problems. It's this movie. It it certainly can't help. It didn't <laughs> help anything. Um. So okay, why don't we kick off by you? I was. I will say. I at the start of this movie, I was hopeful, and I was hopeful because of the cast, and I was also hopeful because there were title cards. And I was like, we haven't had a good title card in a while. Maybe, maybe here we are. So why don't you read the title cards that we get to kick things off? Okay. In 2005, scientists discovered a distant planet believed to have a climate nearly identical to Earth. In 2006, NASA built a transmission device five times more powerful than any before it, and a program to contact the planet began. It was known as the Beacon Project. And I'm like, great, got it, no big deal. (laughs) 
Um, and then and I was like, oh man, that sounds real boring. <laughs> um, and 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 here's another question here. Based on just that alone, and the fact that this movie came out in 2012, does this movie happen in 2012? Would you say? Ooh. That's a great question. Based on the hairstyles and stuff like that, I would say yes, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I assumed this was happening in in real, quote unquote, real time, like which is to say it comes out in 2012 and it's happening in 2012. Yeah. But I don't know (laughs) that it is. It's not fully clear. Um, and maybe it doesn't matter, but I was curious about that. Yeah. Um, then we get told, this is a movie that tells us where we are every second of every moment. (laughs) And it tells us with Chirons. So we've just heard about this Beacon International Project. So now we arrive at the Beacon International Project location in the Himalayas. Where Dr. Nograde, that is um, Adam Godley, is explaining mm-hmm. to this big group of people the concept of a Goldilocks planet. Had you ever heard of that term before? Because that's a real term. No. Is that a planet that steals things from other planets? <laughs> no, not exactly. I thought, that was a good, I thought that was a good guess. It is a good guess. Um, it's It's... The opposite of that, which or not oh. the opposite, it's the different part of the story of Goldilocks, which is it is not too hot, it's not too cold. Oh, um, it's day isn't too long, it's night isn't too short, like that sort of thing. Oh, okay, um, Goldilocks planets are at this point mostly, if I understand correctly, still theoretical, okay. which but there's the belief that in the vastness of the universe and the galaxy, that there are planets that would be much akin to Earth in some way or another. Um, And in this case, they've found one, and they are about to embark on some effort to communicate with what they're calling Planet G for the first time. So Dr. Nograde basically is like, let's get going. And then they push a button, and the transmission goes out into space. Um, And the transmission, I don't think this is actually how this looks in real life. Like the way it looks is that they've got like, you know, the on the ground communications array set up in the Himalayas. And then they've got a satellite that's circling the earth. And when they align the satellite and get when they press the button and the transmission goes, what we see, what's visually rendered, is that this satellite shoots like a giant laser out into space. <laughs> and I'm like, if it's communication, you know, like waves that are going out, they're invisible and they're not harmful. Like, No, and also that would be very like... What's the opposite of subtle? Um, that'd be something like people would notice too, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like they generally conspicuous, like to keep, right? That, <laughs> yeah. Like I feel like they generally like to keep the like communication with other planets under wraps as much as possible. Yeah. Um, now in this scene, again. Mm. There's quite a lot of stupidity in this movie. One of the things that I thought was like really quite something is like there's one guy in this group of people who's not super celebratory and he's the character called Zapata that shows up a couple times. I just in my notes kept referring to him as the nerd. Um, (laughs) He is like saying, you know, everyone here is like so jazzed up about the possibility of meeting aliens, but like why don't they understand that this could be like when Christopher Columbus and the Indians first meet, except we're the Indians. Mm -hmm. And he does use the phrase Indians. He says Indians? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised you said Indians. That's 2012. Get it together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, And to that I would say the way this movie plays out is very much 
built on that premise that mm-hmm. the the life that we might contact outside of our own planet would be all invariably hostile like that they would have no yeah. interest in any kind of collaboration that they would be here to conquer um and that is what the movie presupposes and then we see it play out um uh-huh. and i'm like well and and that also made me frustrated with this movie is like this kind of built-in like we don't and we'll talk about it as they show up i'm like we don't know what they came here to do that part of the story that's also why this story sucks is like we never get any understanding of what what it what brought these aliens here like why why was that transmission something that drew them what did they care that we were right. here you know like um but we never really get any of that either next we arrive in Oahu, Hawaii, and we know that because there's another Chiron that tells us that. Um, at, and we're at some bar where Alex and Stone, who are brothers, um, are sitting and watching the news of this transmission together. And it's apparently Alex's birthday, though we don't know which one that it is. Um, I also found myself being like, I don't buy these two as brothers. They look nothing alike. Yeah. I mean, they look vaguely alike in that they're both kind of like... I don't want to say they're... I don't want to, like, rag on their looks because they're both, like, not unattractive guys, but they're kind of like... I don't know what the word... I don't know what the right word they're is. They're B-grade. In the Hollywood, they're B-grade attractive. They're just, like, very kind of normal and, like, nothing particularly interesting about either of their faces, yeah. I would say. Yeah, Like, out of the two of them, Alex Scars, Alex, he's more of a leading man yes. than the other guy is. Yes. Um, and so then, so they're sitting around doing whatever. I will also say that Alex has a really bad long hair wig on as well. I think I maybe didn't catch for a while that it was the same dude. I was like, where did that weird long hair guy go? (laughs) (laughs) I just kept calling him because when I, I I didn't know anyone's name for most of this movie. So at first I was like, in my handwritten notes, I just kept calling him long hair. That was his name was long hair. Um, and it was, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, either have someone grow long hair, how long could yeah. it take them? Cause it doesn't even have to be that long for it to no. be long for a man. Like have them grow some long hair and then cut it off. Like what is this shit you're doing? It looks so bad. Every Absolutely. time someone's in a long hair wig as a man, it somehow looks terrible. Yeah. Um, I agreed. And so while they're talking, it's his birthday, Sam, a.k.a. Brooklyn Decker, walks in and Alex, you know, notices her. His brother Stone is like, please do not use your birthday wish on a girl. Like, um, which I agree with. That's stupid. Um, (laughs) Needless to say, Alex approaches her anyway. She has no interest in him and, but she does have interest in getting a chicken burrito. Lies. Um, she absolutely has never eaten a chicken burrito in her life, but whatever. I'll overlook I that. know. And certainly and certainly not what they're positing in this film, which is that it's the two-minute microwavable chicken burrito that Literally is like never all preservatives. Never eaten like, that in her life. No. Um, and, and you would think, dear listeners, why are Amy and Sarah going on and on about a chicken burrito. And sadly, this is a major plot point. Um, because, so she can't get the chicken burrito in the bar because the bartender is being needlessly surly. So Alex is like, I will go get you a chicken burrito. He goes to the convenience store, which is about, which is closing up. And so what does he decide to do because he can't get the burrito legitimately he breaks into the damn store for two dollar burrito that tastes like garbage and he he breaks in through the ceiling he like 
there's this whole scene where he is smashing through the ceiling. You know what? Um, I feel like I definitely, like, here's the truth. As always, I wasn't fully paying attention. Like, definitely, like, the first 30 minutes, I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then the subsequent hour and a half. But, like, the... (laughs) (laughs) But I do remember this scene, and I don't think I clocked that that was what this whole kerfuffle was about. It was over him trying to get a burrito. Yes. So he, he literally, like... You know, a normal person might say, I don't want to steal a chicken burrito for a literal stranger who's not interested in me. <laughs> that's but what, hold on, that's what a normal even person if, might say? I think that's what a normal person yes. would say. <laughs> now, let's say you go slightly beyond normal and you say, I'm still going to get this fucking burrito for this pretty girl. I feel there's a more elegant way to get into the clothes convenience store than smashing through the ceiling, which I don't even know how that got done. He just falls down onto some, like, shelving units and then makes a big-ass mess. Couldn't you even just, like, smash through a window? I feel like even that's, like, a little less damaging. Yes. And as he's doing this, though, what makes this even weirder is the Pink Panther theme song is playing <laughs> as he's doing it. Hmm. And I'm just like, what is this movie? Like, And also, do they know, some... like, the Pink Panther has nothing to do with that. And the Pink Panther got away with, like, heists and stuff. Did he not? Kinda. I mean... The whole funniness of the Pink Panther is that he's a bit clumsy, but, like, this is ridiculous. Wow. um, And so then, unsurprisingly, uh, the police get called. He runs out of the store, and, like, as he's, like, trying to hold the burrito up like this offering to Brooklyn Decker, he gets tased by the multiple police cars that have come. Um, and so he falls down on the ground in front of this woman who he likes the next day. Sorry, he's at his brother's house Mm -hmm. and his brother has lost his shit. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore with you. And in a way, I have no idea how this works. Um, he's like, I'm forcing you. To join the Navy like me. Yeah. I feel like that's that's definitely not how it works. Especially with, again, my knowledge of the military is nothing. But I feel like, again, you can, I mean, I guess you must be able to get in ground level on any branch but I always feel like you know army you can be go in as like a private I don't know I thought they had to recruit you in some type of way for the navy and stuff but I I don't know no you can enlist and I'm not sure based on what happens later I'm not sure if that's but also him breaking the law and stuff like wouldn't that also sort of disqualify him in a way like (laughs) You break the law and, like, now you're in the Navy? Not necessarily. There's actually... There's actually kind of weirdly a fair bit of crossover depending on your age and how serious the crime is. Oh. So sometimes... Sometimes um, if you're, like in trouble for something that's relatively minor, you can sometimes be offered the option of, like, if you enlist and stay in Mm. for this amount of time, that will... Then you don't That's sort of like your prison sentence. Like... (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And so... To me, more the thing is, is like, because there are ways into the military that are not like, because like, 
That's the, that's what I'm inferring anyway, is that Stone, Alexander Skarsgård, mm-hmm. he probably, he has the look of someone, he's like officer, rank, he's like whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, he probably went to one of the military colleges. Yeah. And. He's like a full Or if not type. that. Yeah. And, and if not that, then maybe he did ROTC when he was in college. Yeah. So that's one of the things is like, if you're an officer, typically you've gone to college, you've done ROTC, or you've gone to the military colleges. That's usually how you get into the officer ranks. Mm. Um, If you're an enlisted person, there are different ranks there as well, but there is a slight, like, bifurcation between those two things. Okay. And so, like, in Alex's case, I'm not sure what supposedly happened with him, Um, but, like, I was like, more to me, I'm like, you can enlist any day you want. That's your business. But a family member cannot force you right. to do it once you're over the age of 18 or ever for that right. matter. But like, I just was like, what is the vibe in this family? Yeah. That he's like, <laughs> you're doing it and I'm insuring it. And I'm like, what? Yeah, he's like, get your shit together. What are you talking you have to about, in bro? The- yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That I found strange. Um... But nonetheless, that is what happens. (laughs) And then we get the fun, like, this is like the cold open to the movie because then it's like battleship, (laughs) boom, boom, boom. And you're like, amazing. I can hardly (laughs) wait to see what's going to happen. What will happen in this dumpster fire of a movie? Check us out next week as we finish our discussion on battleship. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.